Welcome again to Rover Talk. Dan, how are you? Good, how are you? Can't complain. It's been a while since we uh, since we dropped an episode, so um, it's probably a good idea that, that we're back on track. Um, if you want to find us, remember uh, the Rover Talk podcast on any uh, streaming app or podcast app like uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, find Dan at Wagon Boy TD on Instagram, and although he retired from being a trailer, that's also his, though he put in a bid the other day for a car. I'll tell you about that later. Dan, I know you did. I did, I yep. want it. <laughs> and you can find me at SRI2405, and our email is rovertalk55 at gmail.com. I wanted to get all that out of the way, because then at the end of the show, I forget. Sounds good. All right, so today we got a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. We're going to have our project updates. We're going to take a little bit of analysis about what's going on in the market and then we've decided to go about uh maybe helping you if you're in the market for a rover any type of rover but especially the old ones we're going to help you decide using a different perspective and we'll get to that once that section starts but um dan what what have you been working on um not much as far as rovers i was working on on my chevy c10 just Doing some uh, upgrades in the in the front as far as brakes and you know swapping out the spindles to to be able to have disc brakes. But yeah, not much uh, rover projects. Uh, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything's been uh, pretty good. And I know you have. A well, first of all, I just forgot. Sorry yeah, to interrupt go ahead. you. No, um, go ahead. We were we were guests with um, uh, Ike and um, God, I, I have these terrible trouble remembering names. But anyway, we were guests on the Underpowered Hour, and Steve uh, Barris and Ike have been uh, doing that podcast for a while. They are really cool. It's a really cool podcast. So don't forget to take a take a listen. I was going to say take a look, but there's nothing really to see unless you're a patron. If you're a patron, you can actually see us on video which we didn't realize that we had to split a camera for the both of us during yeah. our podcast. But the, a lot of cool uh, uh, info on that one and, and a lot of cool guests that they're having lately. And we were on there. We had a great time. Yeah, it was so great. A shout out to you guys and thank you. But um, back to the project. So, yes, I have been working because I currently have a 109 Series 3 Santana 2.25 diesel four-door with overdrive up on Bring a Trailer currently. And... When I got that car, so let, let's be honest here. Um, when I got the car, it didn't stop. But when I say it didn't stop, it's nothing. Literally did not stop. Nothing. And so I text Dan, I'm like, this car doesn't stop. And I would tell the story about how I got it off of the of the transport truck, but maybe that was for a different day. So... Dan says, take off the wheel drums. It's going to be the wheel cylinders. And, of course, what do I do? I order a new mm, master cylinder. I ordered that, put it on, didn't work. So then I thought, oh, it's the brake booster. And I bought one of those, and I put it on, and guess what? No, still no brakes. So I finally, you know, bit the bullet, took off the wheels, and all four wheel cylinders were gone. Everything. Yeah, that's usually the 
the case on, on the other series, especially if you have no idea when any sort of brake work was last done. I always just pop off the drum and it's always gonna be, not always, but a good chance that it's just gonna be the rubber caps on the, on the cylinder have either separated or they are cracked and then when what ends up happening is you get like this nasty gelatin of like brake fluid that just I think you use the word contaminated which it, it really does it's uh, it, it just kind of gels and just coagulates and literally you know does nothing yeah so whoever is the future owner of this car has the uh, nice nice little <laughs> guarantee that they have pretty much a whole new brake system yeah I mean except for the lines I everything else was changed out um, including springs and brake shoes because obviously those were a goner so that was actually um, um, an interesting thing. A little tip, if you're going to do the rears on your 109 uh, and, you know, when you see, like, any YouTube video, you'll see that they, they usually um, put the cylinder on first and then they put the spring on the pad and the top spring on the, I mean, on the shoes and then they finagle it in there. That is much harder to do with the hub on than with the hub off but it's doable now it requires a little bit of uh, finagling but it's doable so don't try to get the bottom in first start from the top and then finagle the bottom in and the bottom you can pry it open to fit into the little slabs down there and uh, once you once you do the first one which you're gonna fight for f with a couple hours the second one goes in like almost immediately so that's just that that's my my little tip of I suffered through it and now maybe you won't have to you know, we Maybe that should be a section. Well, we have <laughs> we, we have to start a YouTube channel where we're just showing these these little tricks that we suffer through. Yeah, we d we do. Dan suffers with me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's 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 very patient. I I had to walk away from this one like three times, where I just I literally I went home, and I was like I'm not gonna do this today. And at that point in time, I started like looking up and calling shops, all the ones that I know. Hey, you want to do breaks? You want to do breaks? And I go okay. Let me be rational about this. I'm going to go back tomorrow, and it's going to work. And it well, you, you also used up a couple of my universe prayers. but you know. So D Dan has, just so that all of you know, when, when Dan works on a car, there's always a point in time, well, like any of us, there's always a point in time where that fitting, that screw, that nut just doesn't go in, and you would need to have, you know, um, little baby fingers or an arm that bends in five different spots to get in and you know that you have like one little shot at it well dan has dan has these little i don't know what it is but all of a sudden it's just he just sits there with it and it happens and so that's what do you what do you call that well i throw it out to the universe uh and i use them very sparingly but if i really really need something i do my little thing and i usually it 99.9 percent .9 of the time Well, if you're um, if you're listening to this uh, in, in the first week of October um, of 2021, of course, I have a 200 TDI Range Rover, green, Ardennes green, really cool looking car that will be up for auction on cars and bids, hopefully 
once the DMV decides to work and get me a title, which should be soon. And uh, Dan, what did you think of my disco? So Ivan brought over his new 91 uh, 200 TDI disco, and it's in probably one of like the rarest colors uh, that I've seen on the Gen 1s, and that's uh, Arkin Gray, which it's pretty amazing, and you had it repainted, and uh, it just, it's really, really, really great color in person. Yeah, th- I'll, t- I'll tell you the story. I went, so I bought this one. I went to see it in a, a few months ago in Spain in, in the region of Jaén in a town called Linares, and so let's let's say that sometimes when you communicate with certain people they're not real specific on the directions that they give you of how to get to the car and they're not tech savvy so they can't send you a they can't drop you a pin on google maps or right. whatever right so i was coming from i had seen another disco i had seen a range rover classic and this was the third car i was seeing in the space of probably like three and a half hours and uh <laughs> the guy tells me no I'll meet you at the funeral home. And so, like, funeral homes in Spain, it's it's like uh, the wakes are done immediately after, unfortunately, someone passes away. And they're usually, like, very big, and they have small... So it's not a funeral home where you have, like, one wake at a time. Usually there's, like, you know, however many there are. Right. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay. And so I'm, I'm kind of like, hey, can you get me an address? And, and the guy's like, oh, no, don't worry. You know, I'll meet you at the funeral home. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, so we're gonna meet. We're gonna meet at the funeral. I'm thinking, God, I hope I hope this guy isn't actually at a wake and someone died, right? He's, right. Like, he's just showing, selling his car the day that his, uh, you know, someone died. Anyway, so finally, I kind of give up on c- trying to communicate with him because it just wasn't possible. So I said, Well, I'll make it to the town and I'll drive around and I'll ask the people where the funeral home is. And right. You know, hopefully, he'll know. Right. Yeah. It's not a small town, but it's not big. I'd say it's probably like, well, for Spanish standards, it's like. Medium, so it's like maybe two hundred fifty thousand people or something like that. Not not huge, but anyway. So I'm coming down the highway and I see the first highway exit for the town of Linares, and I'm like, okay, well I'm just gonna go for it. And I get off the highway and I go through a big roundabout, and all of a sudden, what's right in front of my face is the funeral home. And it turns out that's probably the only exit there was to get to Linares, and I, for once in my life, took the right one. So I was actually there. I even had time to stop and like grab a sandwich before then, because I was there. Of course, like 45 minutes early because I thought I was going to have to ask the townspeople and get lost three right, times. Right. And then, and then um, my phone wasn't going to be working properly because I, I should get a Spanish phone, but I didn't at the time. And so I'm having like this 2G reception out in the – anyway. But uh, Antonio was a really nice guy. And um, so the, the thing, cool thing about the car is that he did a ton of work to it. So it's got basically new injectors, new diesel lines, new water pump, thermostat. Uh, belts are new, uh, and it looks like we just looked at it. It looks like it might have either a very clean head, or it was redone, or it was replaced. I mean, it looks yeah, it looks right? pretty yeah, it looks pretty clean. And also, we noticed the um, the steering uh, was replaced. Yeah, the steering steering bar that connects to the yeah. to the steering box w- was replaced. Yeah, it was yeah, it's pretty pretty good. Um, you know, there's. I think you said there's a couple things you got to find part wise, but um, 
mostly cosmetic, right? Yeah, I mean, the, well, the air conditioning needs to be reconnected. Um, and I just showed Dan, <laughs> I have an assortment of brackets and no tensioner. Well, I have tensioners, but they're not for that car. So I, yeah. I don't know. It, finding the right combination bracket tensioner seems to be kind of a challenge because for those of you that have a 200 TDI and maybe need a new tensioner for the AC compressor, uh, the thing is, they're they're slightly different for the Range Rover Classic with the 200 TDI, the and Defender, the Defender yeah. and the Disco. Yeah. And they're all, uh, in every part supplier that I've been through, which have been many, they're all stated that it's for the same one. But if you got look at the details, it probably doesn't look like your original one. Yeah. The brackets discontinued. However, there is a, a Range Rover bracket that works. I don't know. Well, yeah. And we'll kind of expand on that 200 parts thing when we get to that section yes yeah and dan i know it's not a rover but i also bought another w124 coupe oh yeah yeah that looked pretty good i saw that uh you sent me the picture it looks pretty good yeah i, I sent my father to see this one i mean you know i'm a mercedes guy as well i Obviously know it had a ton of 123s uh wagon um which by the way currently i have a mercedes i think one so i I was watching one on an auction on Bring a Trailer today, mm -hmm. and I think with a few hours left, it was at forty-seven grand. I didn't open it because maybe it was like completely restored or something like that. Yeah, but a W one twenty-three wagon for forty-seven grand. I mean, what what do you line it with gold or what's the deal there? I I have not looked at that. I don't. What, what color was it? It was kind of like gray. It was kind of like mine, like the. Oh really? Yeah, it wasn't even like a like that yellow color that's so cool or like a baby blue or like have to take a look or the that. beige like yours was yeah yours is really well, I've cool. had beige blue silver have they all been diesel oh of course yeah they've all been you know wagon boy tv i know i know i know yeah, I know. yeah. But of course so yeah that's a and the cool thing about this w124 coupe which is for Maybe those of you that don't don't know, it's the C, the E class coupe of the late '80s and beginning of the '90s. And is it manual? Boxy. It's a five-speed manual. Okay. Yep. It's got a two. It's got the it's the 230CE, which is a rare bird because they used to sell in Europe. In other parts of Europe, they sold the 220 or the 300, mm -hmm. or later on the 320. So it's a four-cylinder. It really runs great. The cool thing about it is that I bought it from the original owner, who, by the way, lived about three blocks away from my high school and i i don't i didn't know the car or know the car at the time but he's got i have a stack of paperwork it's and it even had the original titles the original spanish titles and you have like the original one from from i think pre-1991 it's actually not green it's a it's a little like uh it's almost like a like a little piece of cardboard but it's kind of cool to actually have that because that means the the car well Obviously, it's the original owner, but sometimes people would ask for a replacement title, and it wouldn't be the same. It would right. be, yeah, green. And it's, it's as we know, anybody who's imported cars, like 95% of the time, there's a zero paperwork with yes. anything. Yes. So, I mean, it's always nice to have uh, anything to come with that. Yeah, so. and this one, honestly, it's in, it's in such a – oh, by the way, I have to show you the radio. So, all right, so in the late 80s and early 90s, stolen car radios was the thing in Spain, right? Well, they would pretty much. Well, pretty much everywhere, Everywhere, right? yeah. And so I I don't know, maybe maybe some of our 
younger listeners don't realize this, but there were even some model of radio that you would pull the whole unit out of your dash and take it with you. Of course, yeah. Um, and it weighed a ton. It was kind of like it was, uh, you know, s- a little bit similar to like the first cell phones, <laughs> which you had yeah, to carry yeah. a little. Yeah, it had a bar that you just pulled out. Yeah, yep. yeah. So they installed a mechanism in this car where, when you turn the car off. The radio electronically tucks in. Yeah, and a sucks in, right? And, and a door comes down. And a little door comes yeah, down. Yeah, so yeah. it looks like it doesn't have a radio. Yeah. Well, my father forgot to tell me this. <laughs> and so, because w- I sent him to see to see him purchase the car. So, I the shipper brings it here the other day. And I, 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 I you know, he takes it off the truck and all that. And I'm just kind of what I always do. I always take a look around and make sure that it hasn't been, well, whatever, it has been. And all of a sudden, I sit in the car and I think, well, I didn't have plates for it yet because I, I hadn't been to the DMV, so I basically just threw it into a parking spot because I, you know, didn't want to drive down the street. It was insured, but not 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 plated. And I'm looking down and I'm thinking, did I really miss that this car has no radio? And I'm thinking, shit. And so I'm looking at the like like the the hole there. I'm thinking, wow, I'm gonna have to take this apart. And I'm looking at the car and I'm thinking, but why does it have speakers? Right. Uh, it, this was how. And the funny thing about this car is that it has um, electric rear windows, which wasn't an option. In fact, I have the uh, original options list on this car, which is hilarious. It has uh, rear electronic windows, a s- uh, an electric sunroof. It has air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And... The only thing, it, the only options it kind of doesn't have would have been leather interior and wheels, which has hubcaps. Right. right. And it has cloth. Cloth. It yeah. has a beautiful cloth. So I'm thinking, well, I mean, this guy clearly, the owner clearly must have wanted at least a little bit of creature comforts. If you got like the windows, the electric windows and the air conditioner, I'm thinking, how did he not get a radio? Right. But no. Anyway, it's really cool. And it also has a button on the on the left side of the of the dash where you can put it in it when the car started you can you know you can make the radio come in and come out it it's I've, I've never seen this on a car okay Dan, maybe you've seen it more have you seen it more i've seen it um actually my dad had um he had one on my dad drove uh, uh, american cars and my mom drove uh german cars but my dad had, uh, in the 80s, he had um, these Oldsmobile 88s, and they had that, they had that, uh, that function to it, at least the one that, that my dad had, had that, so I don't know if that was on, like, all 88s or whatever, but um, I remember that it would tuck and hide. What? What I what I'm not sure about it. I mean, I would think this is something installed aftermarket, but it's done very well. Or is it because the the radio that's in there is a Grundig radio? Now, in 1990, did Mercedes have their own radios, or did they use Blaupunkt or? Gr- well, it's a Blaupunkt actually. Not oh, okay. Because I was gonna say it should be it should be a Blaupunkt and a rather than a. a so Grundig. it actually could be like the original radio. It could be. That would be so cool. Yeah. Well, is it a track or a track? Is it cassette? It's oh yeah, it's cassette. Oh yeah, it's okay. cassette. Yeah, That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound that bad either. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes with the car, right? Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the other thing. Um, I've started the pickup project. The yep. uh, so I have a I bought a C- series uh, three one oh nine, 
and I've decided that it's going to receive a heart transplant and get a 200 TDI put into it, and it's going to be completely restored. So the car is, the truck is now completely, I mean, it's basically in pieces. Um, I put together a parts list of what panels can be salvaged or what panels we're going to need to, you know, put on new. I like to salvage everything if possible, yeah. but sometimes there's just too much work involved for stuff like that. But that's underway, and I should have pretty soon some updates on the other cars that were kind of a bust. Oh but yeah. I was supposed to hear today from uh, from from my lawyer, but I didn't, so I'm not really sure what's going on. Okay. But anyway, that's about it. All right, what's uh Dan, I think you I think I I think you need to buy a car cuz you haven't bought a car. When was the last car you bought? Last car I bought. The last car I bought would probably be my white Alaskan L322 and that's already been two two over two years. Over two years? Yeah. What did you bid on that under by the way? Oh, um I would I don't like to say what I'm like hot after but uh it was an LR3. So an LR3? Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually a friend of mine sent me today a picture from an auction for one. But it had it already had two hundred thousand miles and it was from a dealer auction. So yeah, so there it um, could be a can of worms. They're just the my neighbor, uh, Ronnie, who literally has uh, like six Land Rovers, like five of them are D uh, twos, and now he's getting into LR threes, and uh, we were talking about it today. They're just really hard to. They're surprisingly hard to find, kind of like the L322s are kind of hard to find in that sweet spot. And what's the sweet spot on those? Well, it's you know they're they're the same um, they're the same time frame as the L322, so 06. To 06 to 09. Yeah, and so um, they're just you know they they share everything. Uh, Engine-wise, drivetrain, like... And this is the LR3 that's the in the rest of the world doing the discovery, effectively, right? Yeah, I mean, it, people call them the D3s and then the D4s. Um, but, you know, I've been looking for a while now, but they're just... They're hard to find, um, not clapped out underneath here in the Midwest. And then, you know, let's kind of segue into what we're going to talk about next, but... As we know, the used car market is still a bit insane, and so everything has jumped kind of dramatically in uh, in that second half of the ox. So, like, 06 to, like, 2011, 2012. Like, everything has just kind of jumped, whereas two years ago, you know, you could buy the L322s for under 10 and now it's like next to impossible to to find ones even with like really high miles they're still going to be like 12k 11k like just it's just kind of crazy right now so i just there was one that was a, a g4 package that uh that was on bring a trailer uh it was an lr3 it had kind of a lot of miles it was like 150,000 miles but it was that that package was expensive at the time, wasn't it? I mean, it, it, it or was it like an addition? It, yeah, it was an addition, so it wasn't like it was like any more money than 
than normal. It's just that they only made like ten of them, and so um, you know they were just kind of hard to find. Oh. Um, and I liked it. I put in my number that I had in my head. And What'd yeah. it go for? Uh, it, it went for twenty seven thousand, which you know it had one hundred fifty thousand miles. Um, you know, I thought was it was a tad high. Um, By the way, I just pulled up that W one twenty three wagon we were talking about. Color? It's it's black. It has 38,000 miles. Although and it says true mileage unknown, I don't know. And anyway, and how much did it sell for? Sixty four. Well, I mean, that's still low in comparison to. That's sixty four thousand, not sixty four hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. yeah, No, no. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, it looks great. If that's actual confirmed mileage and being black, which is is really rare, as far as like that wagon goes. Um, I don't think it was a manual, right? It was just what uh, year was it? Eighty-three. Oh, okay. So it's um, no uh, auto. Yeah. So you know, Mercedes Motoring would have it for you know close to a hundred, you know, six figures. So that's not too bad. Maybe maybe I'm just out of line. Anyway. So other things in the market. Um, speaking of what I think is a tad crazy, so they're Bring a trailer had its first L three twenty end today, so of course everybody was, you know, watching the market because it's whenever the first one comes uh, to auction like that, everybody, you know, it kind of sets the the stage as to to maybe what they'll sell for. It had uh, almost seventy thousand miles. Now, the L three twenty is the the Range Rover Sport of the same, of the same ilk. So the the three twenty yes is yeah. is the Sport so that ran from uh, 06. Yeah, I pulled this one up here. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it sold for you know almost thirty eight thousand dollars, which you know is you know is is a lot you know for a Sport. I it mean is. What do you? What was this car new? Do you, do you do you have like a recollection? So the mean? sport is cheaper. So in like for so for it's an 06. Uh -huh. So the full size which is, you know, what I run the just the HSC is anywhere from in that 70 <coughs> to to Excuse 90 me. range back then depending on you know if you had uh, the full package, both of mine uh, actually have it where the you know you have the Full entertainment with the the TVs in the back, yeah. and, you know the full nine yards. And I think the sport, if you if you pull it up, is usually like twenty k less. So that's why that's one of their most popular models, is because they were you know forty eight thousand. They were affordable. Um, the supercharged, the SC would go for a little bit more, which the one that ended today was. A supercharge, which also means more problems. You go faster, but mechanically you're going to have, you know, susceptible to more to deal with. More to deal with, um, you know. But it still sold for thirty-eight thousand. Again, it was a r pretty rare color. They only used that color for, I think, just one year in two thousand six. And the interior looks white. So it's white with piping, right? Um, 
second too. But I can't. I don't even know how to pronounce the the blue that it is. But I think it's like C A I R N S is is what uh, Land Rover Let's called it. See, I I don't see it here. They haven't used the name. C A C. What'd you say? C A I R. Oh, Cairns Cairns. I don't know how to pronounce. That's you'd have to be Irish to say that so crap properly. Right blonde white woman <laughs> that buys it probably um <laughs> but yeah so that that you know did really well and you know as we're seeing also on bring a trailer a lot more l322s um popping up we just had a uh, uh uh 08 supercharge and then we have another yeah that 08 supercharger went for 39 yeah and then we have one that's going to end in a couple days that is I think hovering around nine, 9K, 10K. I think it'll end up um, in that 15 to 20 range. Um, yeah, it looks 70,000 miles. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it looks, it's it's the exact twin to to mine. Yeah, I'll let you know too that there's an Alpine White uh, <laughs> P38. 2002. Well, you know, it's, th it's the week of the White Rovers on Bring a Trailer. There's also... Uh, a first-gen disco uh, manual. Well, American first-gen, right? It's not a... Yeah, it's American. It's not our gen, but it's American first-gen. I think it's a 97. 96, yes. 96. Right here, yeah. It's a manual. The only issue with that is it's pretty toasted underneath. Is it? Yeah, like the frame rails have two huge holes in it. Oof. Um, but it has. it still has potential. Like I, I still think it's... It's more than uh, Defender chassis parts are are pretty pretty cheap. I mean, if you can like if you're manually inclined to like repair a chassis, I think they're pretty cheap, aren't they? Uh, you mean replacing the disco? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, the rest of it looks really decent. So, um, unfortunately, it was in a wet climate and it has suffered the usual. Um, issues that, yeah, that those frames are gonna, yeah. Well, I mean, very cool. I, I, but I, the I market is still, uh, you know, super, super, yeah, strong. I actually, my friend, my friend that, that called me and showed me the the LR three, um, with two hundred thousand miles, called me this morning, and he's got a dealership. He sells other types, you know, more that type of gear. Cars. And how much was he selling the one with two hundred thousand? He wasn't. It was up for auction, and he just sent me a picture in case I was interested in it. Oh. Should I have forwarded that to you? Maybe. It's white. Mm. I don't know. It's two, but it was two thousand five. It wouldn't been wouldn't have been your year. Plus, it already had two two hundred thousand miles, which doesn't necessarily need need to be bad. But you know, coming from an auction, you don't really know what yeah. what was behind. Anyway, very cool. So, all right. So we wanted to go about uh, at buying a rover from a different perspective. And so, well. Dan is obviously a diesel guy. I would say that I'm a convert to a diesel guy because I wasn't originally, but there's so many cars that I just find are so much cooler in, in their diesel engines. But, Dan, I think there's a question that needs to be answered before. Well, obviously, you need to decide on what model you want. Right. But the first question is, how and what are you going to use it for? Right. So, and we kind of talked about this in, you know, in a couple earlier episodes, but it's very kind of crucial when you're 
when, when you have so many options because now that we've gone over that that threshold of like now we can you know import a lot more uh engine variations and in what years is 2026 in two more years we'll start getting the td5 and well, we won't talk about that when that <laughs> comes to us but you know right now we have so many options and i think it's just really important to kind of like give our feedback since uh we're constantly uh you know daily driving you know different iterations of of what's available in discos uh range rovers and even series series yeah so where do you want to start let's start with the series okay and and we'll make it a little bit easier here we'll go i mean obviously it's kind of a given, you know, whether you want a uh, 109 or an 88 and Series 2A versus... Yeah, because it's always, it's always style first. I mean, obviously, that's why we love Land Rovers. We're all attracted to the aesthetic first and then what it can do second. I don't, th I don't think it's ever been... I love, like, this engine, but I don't like the style of it and you're going to buy it because of the engine. No, I, I, I th that, that would be the, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody does. So, you know, um, so for series, you know, I've owned a few, you've owned a few, um, what? So he here's, here's where I would start off. So I always think when you're going to buy one, the first thing you need to do is, okay, Realize what it is. So in a series truck, are you going to use it off the road or on the road? Is it going to be something where you um, actually want to, you know, use it on a farm or use it uh, at a country house or actually put it off road and go up the hills or use it at the beach to go through the dunes? Or is it something that you're going to have more on a you're going to use more on road, not to go on highway? Because, again, none of these were designed to go on highways. So, I mean, if you're thinking about it as a highway car. I mean, if you need to go on the highway, you can. But if you're thinking about regularly using on the highway, you know, don't buy this car. But I'm thinking more of the use. So w on or off road, and then are you? You're gonna have to learn to be mechanically inclined because something's gonna break on it, obviously, because it's yeah. an old car. But uh, aside from that, um, you know, wh what what type of use do you want for it? Yeah. So. I, as you know, I have a Series 3, and it has, of course, the two and a quarter uh, petrol four banger, just like, like it's like a go-kart. I mean, I, I, I it's as like, simple as you can get on an engine. You know what I mean? It, it, you have your carburetor. Like, everything is, like, so simple and i use it at my farm i take it on the country roads and i take it off road on a trail um i don't i don't drive it on the highway like i don't 57 is the highway that's like close to to where i am i don't take it on the highway it literally is a country house, tool around, 
going to town, go to the market. Like, you know, it, it's a cool truck. So would you? So would you choose for your specific type of use, which I think is very common for a lot of people, maybe here in the U.S. Yeah. Would you rather have a gas or would you rather have diesel? So, if you had a choice, if I had a choice, I would stick to the petrol, just for the sake of um, uh, the engine uh, itself and for what I like use it with and i know i'm gonna contradict myself in like 10 minutes when i start start talking about diesel but for just the sake of like tooling around working on it um you know it's a lot easier for the most part than uh than diesel oh here's another consideration that i just thought about that i was thinking about before we started uh talking about this climate and climate so 100%. So I, you know, luckily we've had like last, this last winter in Chicago um, wasn't that bad. And so I actually w- was lucky enough to run um, my series year round and it started um, every time. It ran great. It actually does great in the snow at my country house. We don't, um, we don't, uh, salt in in that county we don't use salt and um so it's it's it it works really well in in the winter i i agree with i i agree i agree with you but i don't here's there's there's a yes and a no so for the type of use that you give i understand that i understand a gas engine uh i always think that i'd rather not deal with a carburetor especially with an old well, one. Well, I was going to say, like, the carb, you know, as you know, I just replaced the, the carburetor uh, on my series because it hadn't been changed in forever. And, you know, it, it takes, you know, it's not like just plug and play. Like, you know, it, it takes patience and getting the right uh, tuning on your carburetor. And Yeah, that's, that's where I see the advantage of a diesel. Diesel you're just going to run it. I mean, maybe out of the vibration, you might have to turn the the pump and and play a little bit with the injection timing, but that's a physical thing that you you can do. And uh, and it doesn't happen as often as having to play with a carburetor. The bad side about diesel is that if you live in a cold climate, uh, you know, they're not the the easiest starters. They will start, but it'll take you a while to get one of those... um, get one of those started i remember i got my first was a series was a series 2a it was diesel it was a 64 so it had a <laughs> had a non-synchronized gearbox yeah. which was i thought was a lot of fun but i'm sure the vast majority of our listeners would probably think that i'm i'm a nutcase um but yeah i got that car in the middle of winter in chicago and i didn't drive it around unless i saw it was dry and there was no salt on the road but boy if it was, you know, Chicago weather, like it was minus 10 Fahrenheit or Celsius, which is what I understand, so like 20 degrees, it took a while. Yeah. And you needed to have a high-cranking battery, and you just needed to be a little bit patient. And, of course, until it got warmed up, it was a smoke bomb. 
which yeah. most diesels are. And I don't know if that's a factor for anybody, but yeah. for me, it's not really because I just know it just needs to take those. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you have to have a 850 or higher. Uh, Cold cr- crank yeah, on your battery. Yeah, because you're just like, there's no way. Yeah, and, no way. and a little bit of patience. So yeah. I would say my my preference for a series rover, if you live in a cold climate, would probably be gas Yeah. Um, for your type of use. Now, if you're... If you live in a city and you just use it to bop around, well, which that, is I mean, I my two A, I kept in the city, and it was, you know, it was also great. You know, I'd go to work. Come was home. it diesel? No, it was yeah, gas. It, it was petrol, but, um, you know, another great environment to, to have it. You know, again, it's it, it, it also comes down to like, is this. A third car, a fourth car. Well, yeah, and we always go back to the same thing, condition, right? Yeah. If it's going to be, if you find a gas versus diesel and they're exactly the same to you, buy what's in better condition. Yeah. Well, cool. What about uh, the Disco? So the Disco, I, 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 I'm i a 200 guy. Like, I just through and through a 200 guy just for the sheer sake of, uh simplicity um here here let's put something else into the mix in the yeah. disco do you care about gas mileage um i i actually i do i mean you know you know i daily drive it um i was funny that you say that because i just i put gas in today um and i was like you know when's the last time i put you know yeah, that 200D is just sips. Like There's just it, it uh, lasts forever. And I looked at and I I swear to God, the last time I put gas in it was February. Well, it's it's. I mean, you don't do a whole lot of miles. Obviously. I don't. Yeah, it's not like I I I'm not taking it out. You know, to the farm every weekend. I have taken it out there, but, um, you know, it's it's city driving. It's just. Here, see here with with this one with the disco is one of those cars where I having driven both, both yeah in in automatic and manual uh, I I think transmission is a whole different different subject yeah. we'll we'll go into that in another episode but I cannot find a reason why you would want a V8 versus a 200 or a 300 TDI uh, I just can't find a reason no, no. because yes it ta- yes they're not as fast. But the V8 isn't fast anyway. So. Well, it's still a slug. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, yes, if we're both at the light, the V8 is going to get to Starbucks maybe <laughs> three <laughs> seconds quicker than the 200 or the 300. But on the long haul, uh, you know, the, the, the TDIs are just. And by, th- and by the way. It w- about the TDIs, there are p- you can get every single part cheap for anything you may need because it was used on the Range Rover, the Defender, and the Disco. The, the only, well, I'll say for the 300, there's literally a million more parts available than the 200. The 200, you, you will find that a couple of things are, you know, as you were just talking about, like the bracket, like, the 200, there's certain couple pieces that, like, are going to be harder to find. But if you have, like, friends and, you know, 
Spain like I do and you know if you have like connections even in the UK like you'll find friends that'll like you know find you something but if you were to go to like Atlantic British or like Paddock or four you know famous four you know you're gonna find way more parts for the 200 than than you will the 200 it's just a fact just because the 200 was only made for a couple of years and the 300 went you know for years and so you know just just by that sheer fact you're just gonna have more options with the 300 yeah but for any type of use honestly there's i mean like like we say like we always say i mean condition if you find you know a great car and it doesn't have a diesel as a v8 buy it i mean if it's a great condition car just buy it yeah. because it's not really going to matter what you're running especially in disco because they're just all flapped out yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah that this is one that i you know and originally i always thought wow this you know a diesel and such a big truck and it's going to be and then the more that i've had the opportunity to drive them 203 well, i remember i had yours the, the one that we bought for you i had it for a while because yeah. we were replacing that windshield I oh used yeah. to take my daughter to school and she oh lo- yeah. she loved it. She just loved that car. She's off to college now. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's another one that 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 I see. But uh, the the other thing too is that um, you know the the two hundred TDI and I and I know someone might like would smack me on the head for this or the three hundred TDI. I think are more durable engines than the V eights. A hundred percent. And I think they have less of those structural issues like the cylinder linings and stuff like that. Or yeah. the y- So I honestly think that in a disco, if you can find a TDI over a gas, there would be no reason for, for you to – for you to there would be no reason for leaving a gas engine uh, disco. Just Well, o- only, only if you're, like, literally just buying it for aesthetic – only if that makes sense like if you literally just want a a gen one disco and you're okay with like the petrol but if if you're and you're just driving it you know cars and coffee like if you're just not yeah right you know daily driving it okay so what about the range rover so i mean the range rover classic let's go into that so again, I mean, I think to me, like the sweet spot is, uh, you know, with the 200, um, you know, I have a VM, but that's not for everybody. You know, that's just, I, I don't recommend it as your first foray into your engine option for a classic, you know, uh, a, no mechanics are going to work on it for you. And, uh, you know, they have issues unless you're willing to 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 put forth the effort in upgrading and, and doing all that. If you can find a, a classic with a, a 200 um, in it. Then See, here I don't agree with you. I'm I'm going to I'm going to say something. So I have I the thing about Range Rovers, I've driven every single variation like literally 3.5 3.9 manual 3.9 auto 3.9 manual 3.5 auto 3.5 manual to 300 manual 200 manual and then all of the vms the 2.4 and the 2.5 yeah so literally every iteration so you can speak to it a lot more than i can 
So I think the sweet spot is, and, and, and I, th- I, I don't want to go into this, but I have to. I think the, th- the sweet spot is a 300 TDI with a manual gearbox. Yeah, good luck. And I'm going to explain w- why. So the 200 TDI is a fantastic, capable engine, but the, the, the Range Rover, um, okay, this is hard to explain. Just by the seating position, you just you want a little bit more pull, which that 300 TDI is going to give you. And the 3.9 V8 with an auto trans is actually a pretty good combination. Yeah. So when you... Um but it takes away from the driving experience. So you feel it feels to a certain degree, in my opinion, too modern for a classic. Right. Remember that. Remember the gold one. Yeah. Remember yeah, the yeah. Roman bronze. Oh my God. So that that was an amazing shape, and and it was great. But didn't it seem to you like a much more modern drive than kind of what what you what in your mind is what you would think like a, ra- a classic Range Rover should be? Well, because it it was what year was that one? It was ninety three, ninety two. Two. Yeah, ninety two. And you had. If I remember correctly, you had redone the suspension on it. Yes. So it it uh, you know was nice and it was tight as hell. Yeah, it was nice and firm and, and tight and um, yeah, I mean it definitely it it was closer to modern than it was to uh, to classic. But that would have been but that was. That was petrol. Oh yeah, it had to be yeah. like a three point nine, right? It was a three point nine. So it was a local yeah. car. It wasn't a it wasn't yeah, an yeah. import. But then I drove, I drove uh, this this uh, last trip to Spain. I drove a a ninety two, three point five three point nine, two door with a manual, same engine, just manual gearbox versus automatic. Yeah, it was great. It was a great car. I should have bought that car. Uh, now I kind of like slap myself in the head for not doing so. But you know how you get in the negotiation, they're like a thousand bucks, and you're like biting them, and then I'm like, oh, that's stupid. You're stubborn. Yeah, I, w- I was stubborn. Yeah. I was stubborn. Yeah. yeah, I was an idiot. Anyway, but I just I find the mechanical and driving experience sweet spot at the 300 TDI with the manual gearbox, and that 3.9 with the manual was pretty close to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was. It was a different experience. I just think that the 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 ever so slight more vibration that you get out of a diesel Range Rover versus a gas and what year was the three hundred? Uh, I've driven a few. It was a th- the last one I had was 93. Oh, ninety three. Oh, no, it was ninety four. It was a first. It was the first generation of the hard dash. Okay, which obviously kind of changes a little bit of the dynamic right. of, of of your visual experience. Now, do you remember if? Um, so it was a 94. Was it a later 94? Because in 94, they, they, some of the 300s actually had it the earlier transmission, and then they transitioned into the R380. So do you remember, like, how you shifted? No, this was in, this was, no, this was an R380. So it was, it so was the rever- reverse was away from yes. you and down? Yeah, this was an R380. Well, so, well, right there... You know, is also part of that sweet spot. True. You know, because you're you're shifting from your shift from second to third is going to be a lot smoother uh, with the 380 than than you know 
know, with the uh, 77, which no one seems to like, but I mean, I like it. It serves its purpose. But I have, you know, I drove um, your disco. Didn't your disco, one of your discos have the 380 in it? I think so, yeah. The, yeah. La- the last, yeah, because it was a hard dash. It was 90. The, s- the one that you sold to the, w- to the East Coast. Yeah, think. it was a 94, yeah. Yeah, so the that had the 380. Now, it, it's, you notice it. I mean, it's, you notice it. So you, again, you know, the it really depends on what you're going to do, you know, with the classic. You know, not too many people are. Uh, well, a classic, definitely, if you're off-roading, you need a manual transmission. A hundred percent. That's the kind of, kind I mean of a given. If it, I mean, if you can't. If you're off-road, off-roading anywhere, you you yeah you, you should have, have a manual. I mean, I I would kill for. But that that Z that that four speed or four and a half speed or whatever it is, um, with the automatic is. I I just can't imagine trying to do anything off-road, and it would be slumpy as hell. Yeah, it would just be like yeah. you know, you'd be riding like a train car, bumping up and down. Yeah. Okay, what do you think about the Defender? What about it? Gas or diesel, or what would you, what would you what would you get? Well, you'd get a diesel. Um, I wouldn't get one. Does it? Okay, but it. Because <laughs> I've had two Nasas, so like no, I, I I know you have. Um. Uh, I would probably. Uh, again, I I would probably do a two hundred, or a three hundred. You know, I probably would do. I would probably do the three hundred. I'd get like a 94 or 95, 300 uh, with the 380 in it um, to, to make it a little bit more tolerable. See, yeah, I think so too. I, I don't see the, in, unless you're, you know, modding the hell out of it um, and wanting something that, a defender that goes on the highway at highway speeds, yeah. and, you know, doing something. In which case, you wouldn't even use the Land Rover V8. You'd put, you know, an LS3 or whatever that you want to put into it. Yeah, I don't. I again, I don't see the. I don't see a good reason to put a V8 in a Defender when there's a 200 or 300 TDI. No, no, not I, not at all. By the way, um, so I have on a, my Range Rover that's in pieces. I've decided that. Uh, I'm putting something in there, and it's not going to be the original idea. I've got something else for the original idea, but that one I just I'm tired of seeing it in the garage in pieces. Yeah. So I've decided to tackle it. So. Are you gonna put a? Uh, I'm I'm waiting for no. someone. No, you're not. Okay. I was thinking. I was thinking either an, an LS. Or a Cummins, two point eight. I mean, I love Cummins. I just I need to see that car out of the garage. It's been sitting there for way too long. Yeah. In pieces. Yeah. And my other project is delayed, so I'm gonna have to wait on that for a little bit. I have another Range Rover in Spain that's waiting. That will be getting the treatment. Yeah. But this one, I just I need to move it out of there, and so I need to do something with it, and I'm not sure what to do. Okay. What do you think? Uh, you don't want to put like a 4.4 Jag engine in it. That Is that possible? I don't see why not. I mean, if you can put a Cummins 2.8 in 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 that, I don't see why you couldn't put. You know, like the one from an L322. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I would. I would buy that in a heart. 
that in a heartbeat. Have you ever seen that done? No. Do you no. think it fits? Uh, I mean, it, if you – there's a couple of components that might be a little tricky. Like, I haven't, like, measured – like, I haven't, like, looked into it because, as you know, like, when you look at the at the 4.4 and you look at the engine, like, it, it fills, you know, it yeah, fills the it entire engine bay, whereas, like, there's room around uh, – the diesels that we have in ours um but i would love to see that i would love that i'd buy it in a heartbeat if someone did that i hadn't even thought about that option yeah maybe that's the way i need to go i'm gonna look see if someone's done this before yeah because you can uh yeah i haven't even googled it but i dream about it all the time i'd be like that'd be so sweet that would be pretty cool you'd yeah. have to fit the transmission in there too yeah but I think it, you know, with the with the classic, there's so much. You know, there's there's like so much room. Below, like I I, I mean the trend the the ZF. You know that tomorrow I'm gonna go out there with a tape measure and start measuring. Yeah. Right? On fortunately I have one of each right now, so I can like look into the, <laughs> the the just the just the gist of the general engine bay dimensions. Yeah. Um. I would love that. Shit, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, Dan, uh, thank you for uh, being on uh, this uh, show again with me. Of course. Uh, remember, if we want to hear what you have to say, uh, contact us on uh, Instagram, SRI2405 or WagonBoyTV, and at our email at rovertalk55 at gmail.com. Uh, well, thanks again to uh, Steve and Ike for uh, the Underpowered Hour. We had a great time yeah, on their show. Don't forget to tune into their podcast. By the way, they have a they narrated their road trip with a uh, what was it like a Model A or a Model T and a motorcycle that they did. Yeah, those two episodes are a are a blast. You are just gonna laugh out loud every second of them. So tune in. All right, Dan. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye bye.